0: Their father soon afterward, Rold became the family's pet. His nickname was the apple, and in his own eyes, its protector. Much later, the American writer Martha Gellhorn, who dated him on the rebound from her marriage to Ernest Hemingway, remembered him as living among a thousand sisters and a suffocating atmosphere of adoration. The children were given a conventional English boarding school education spending their holidays in a comfortable house in the English country town to which their widowed mother had moved and where she spent the rest of her life. A young Norwegian in a foreign land, he wrote in his memoir for children, boy, she refused to take the easy way out. All her children remained close by. Cardiff has enterprisingly named a public space outside the Senedd, seat of the semi-independent Welsh National Assembly after Roald Dahl, and is making a lot of his centenary this year. In truth, though, his allegiances were to tough, cold Norway, with its grass-topped wooden houses and its uncompromising mythology of giants, dwarves, and Valkyries, and equally, to an England of scruffy villages, horrible schools, and small-time crooks. Good at sports, very tall, independent, not particularly bright academically, but arrogant and somewhat isolated by that, the boy went straight from boarding school into the oil industry and soon found himself in colonial East Africa on what turned out to be the brink of World War II. He enlisted in the Royal Air Force and with next to no training was sent as a fighter pilot to take part in Churchill's quixotic defense of Greece. If any real-life adventure could outmatch the Battle of Dahl's Big Friendly Giant against the even bigger and far-from-friendly giants of his children's story, It's that of the weeks the 25-year-old spent hurtling through the sky fighting the Luftwaffe and its allies above Athens and, immediately after that, at Haifa, in what was then British-ruled Palestine. The wartime Royal Air Force prided itself on a laconic modesty that in those days was still aspired to by the English in general, but self-effacement was one bit of Englishness Dahl didn't do. His official combat reports are full of braggadocio. I followed the enemy aircraft, a Vichy French Potez, for approximately three minutes after the others had broken off and left it with port engine smoking and probably stopped. Rear gunner ceased fire. It is very unlikely that this Potez got home. Invalided, out of action with back problems caused by an accident, he later claimed, and seems to have come to believe, that he was shot down, the loquacious flying officer was sent to boast for Britain in newly belligerent Washington. America turned Dahl into a writer, and also into a star. Based in an embassy so glittering that the rising young Oxford political philosopher Isaiah Berlin was a mere staffer there, the handsome war hero talked up his country but, above all, himself, did a little secret intelligence work while keeping it anything but secret and wrote stories about the RAF that attracted the Disney Brothers' attention. A fable about the Battle of Britain, The Gremlins, went into development as an animated film but did not make it to the screen. Disney adapted the text and pictures into a children's book, Dolls First. The venture brought trips to Hollywood that, according to one of his children, permanently turned his head. He claimed Claire Booth Luce and the standard oil heiress Millicent Rogers among his conquests, and began a lasting relationship with Tyrone Power's French wife, Annabella, Susanna Charpentier. Like many of those brought to prominence by the war, Dahl found the immediate post-1945 years difficult. Soon, though, Collier's Magazine and The New Yorker were drawn to a new, terse, comic vengeful element in his fiction, and the short stories later famous as Tales of the Unexpected began to appear. He got to know Lillian Hellman, and through her met Pat Neal, then still involved with Gary Cooper. The tragic story of their marriage, their son permanently injured in a traffic accident in Manhattan, a young daughter dead of measles in the rural haven to which they retreated. Pat's own disabling strokes when she was only 40, newly pregnant and at the height of her fame. All this, along with Dahl's own successes in Neil's world, he's credited with the scripts of You Only Live Twice and Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, has been told in articles, books, and a movie, The Patricia Neal Story. Familiar, too, from obsequious journalists and now from the museum that commemorates him, is the narrative of his self-transformation into one of the leading writers of his day, of any day, or so he seemed to think. When U.S. publishers altered his spelling, he demanded grandly, do they Americanize The Christmas Carol or Jane Austen? This was in a letter to Robert Gottlieb, then editor-in-chief at Knopf, later editor of The New Yorker, and one of a handful of American publishers who played substantial...